According to the CDC at this point, 1.1 million people in the United States have died from COVID. Every one of those is a tragedy. Whether you agree with it or not, in response to that number, our society did a lot of things. We shut our borders, we restricted movement, we had a lot of economic things that are now causing problems. We did everything in our power to try to keep that number as low as possible. For the last 13 years, the United States has lost 1.1 million Christians every year. The net number of Christians has gone down by 1.1 million every year. Our country shut down to save 1.1 million lives. What have we done in the church to prevent us from losing 1.1 million Christians every year? We've done nothing. We've continued with the status quo. We have acted like there's not an incredible crisis on our doorstep at every moment. We've acted like each of those souls lost to Jesus Christ doesn't matter. We can't do that. If we're going to upend every aspect of American life for the sake of 1.1 million individuals, we have to upend every aspect of church life for 1.1 million individuals a year. The urgency of addressing this apostasy, the largest number of people leaving the Christian faith ever. We lost a lot of Catholics in the Reformation. We lost a lot of Catholics with our split with the Orthodox. We've never lost this many Christians. In order to address the greatest apostasy our faith has ever seen, the greatest loss of Christians we've ever experienced in the history of Christianity. We have to take it seriously. We have to address the urgency of it. I'll tell people my experience at the church has been that the house is on fire and all we're talking about is the paint color. What color should we paint the living room? I try to hide it. I try to put on a good face, but my frustration with that conversation boils over. And this is one of those days. I cannot stand arguing about paint color when the house is burning down. And you will have noticed in my time at Assumption, I am very disciplined and very studious about keeping our focus on evangelization, our focus on bringing people back to Jesus Christ. And I do that in ways that are popular with some and unpopular with others. For example, I give no time to increasingly creative or innovative liturgies. The church tells us what to do, and that's what we're going to do, and I have no time for debates about doing what the church asks us to do. You'll notice that I rarely preach on politics or political issues. I find them to be a distraction. The urgency is Jesus Christ and people not following the Lord. And I don't care what either political party does because neither of them are bringing people to Jesus. And that's what we're going to focus on.
I have no patience for doctrinal debates. We don't entertain those, not only because they're a waste of time, not only because they go against the will of God, but they're also ineffective. The Episcopal Church, for example, which is famous for having all of the trappings of Catholicism, except that they also have married priests and women priests and progressive sexual ethics, all the things people ask for. 90% of Episcopal congregations have less than 100 congregants. The median age of an Episcopal in the pews is 69 years old. We could change those three things and we would go that way. That church will be gone in 15 years. We don't have time for those debates. We don't have time. We have to preach the gospel. We have to save those 1.1 million souls a year. That has to be our single-minded focus. Without exception, that has to be what we look at. We can do all of that at Assumption. We can put our efforts in that direction. But at some point, we run up against systematic problems that are bigger than our parish. And I am deeply thankful, deeply thankful, that we have an Archbishop who realizes that the status quo is no longer tenable. An Archbishop who realizes that we have to do something different. Because the way we are structured, the things that we have been doing, have lost us 1.1 million Christians a year. 23% of people in this country today who are baptized Catholic are no longer Catholic. We have lost one in four of the babies that we have baptized. The status quo doesn't work. What we've been doing is not effective, and we have to act differently. Realizing that, seeing that we have to change systematically, our Archbishop is inviting us into a process that we are calling Partners in the Gospel. The idea being, even though there is so much work ahead of us, and even though we are up against incredible forces, a culture that is deeply secular and deeply opposed to the things that we're doing, we still do have strength in our church. Obviously, we have Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the grace of the sacraments. We have everything promised us by the Lord. He has not abandoned us, and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. But... In addition to the supernatural resources, we still have good natural resources. We have good and dedicated people. We have good, strong, sacrificial giving. We have people who are prayerful and dedicated to the Lord. But by maintaining the status quo, what we are doing is we are managing decline. We have people in our pews. We can still pay our bills. Our buildings don't have to be shuttered. We don't have to combine congregations yet, like um, the Methodists and the um, Congregationalists, two denominations who have not a lot in common, but they're shrinking so much they can't do anything else. We have strength in our church. But what the Archbishop has realized 
is that unless we act together as a church, unless we pool our resources together as a Catholic church in Western Washington, we will not be able to leverage that strength to do the necessary work to save those 1.1 million souls, to bring people back to Jesus Christ. We have to think differently and we have to act differently. We will find success. The Lord is on our side. But we have to sacrifice our sacred cows and we have to walk away from the status quo. Specifically, what the Archbishop is asking us to do and what we are going to be doing over the next one and a half and then three years is that every parish in the Archdiocese is going to undergo this process. Every single one. Not one will be unaffected by this. We are going to be taking our parish communities and joining them into parish families. Now, there's a lot that we don't know about this process because there's a lot of consultation that's happened. The Archdiocese is trying to do its best with this process, and it talks to a lot of people in wider and wider circles. I've known about this for six months. I tell you, my pastor installation was an ironic day because I had this on my mind, and now I can finally preach about it. I've known this for a long time because they consulted with the priests, and now they're consulting with the people of God. We don't know what these families are going to look like. We don't know how many parishes are going to be part of them. We don't know how we are going to be grouped together. But we do know that it is a necessary process because all of the statistics, and I'll share those with you in a couple months when the diocese makes them available, all of them show us that we are stronger together than apart. All of them show us that by trying to maintain all of these small and distinct communities, we are unable to pay our bills. 63% of our parishes in the diocese are operating at a deficit. We're unable to bring the power of the Christian community to bear on evangelization because we have spread across many programs all of our volunteers and dedicated people, all of the people willing to work for a pay cut for the church. They're spread too thin. So, we will be family. We don't know what that looks like, and I have to be honest with you about that. As I speculate, my guess is that we will be family with Sacred Heart. I don't know. It's possible that all of Whatcom County will be one family. It's possible that somehow we're going to be with Linden. I don't know. But what I do know is that I would sacrifice anything to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I do know that if the status quo is not working, I am going to find water wherever I can so that the house doesn't burn down. I know that this is going to allow us to have the creativity that we need in order to bring the saving message of the gospel to the corners of the world that have not heard it in decades. I preach to you as much as to myself. One of the other unknowns is we don't know how this is going to affect our clergy. For family with Sacred Heart, for example, Father Ross and I are both, ideally, successful pastors. Can you have two pastors in a place? Does one of us need to move so that the community of Bellingham can grow? 
Do both of us need to move so that parishes who didn't work together before can work together now? We don't know. But we do know that this is a necessary change. We do know that we have to work together for the sake of the gospel. What's our timeline? Over the next year, the diocese is going to continue its consultative process. Now the people of God know the process. Over that year, using data and a consulting firm that has made very good presentations so far, I do trust them, we're going to be given a draft. This is what parish families might look like in our archdiocese. That draft is going to be given to the Presbyteral Council, and then to the priests, and then it's going to be given to the people of God. All of us will have an opportunity to comment on that draft, to say what will work and what won't, knowing that we have to sacrifice our sacred cows, knowing that we have to work together, otherwise we will continue to hemorrhage souls. On July 1, 2024, these families, which will be made official in January of that year, these families will begin to work together, initially without any changes, but they're given a three-year mandate. Over the course of three years, the people of God in these parishes will be asked to come up with a plan together. This is not a top-down process. The Archbishop has told us this needs to happen and we will do this family in process, but he doesn't presume to know what we need in Bellingham, how to use our resources, the clergy that we have, the people that we have, the programs that we have, the buildings that we have. This is not about shuttering buildings. This is not about shutting parishes. This is about working together and using our resources together for the greater good, for the gospel. Over the course of those three years, we will work together with whomever is in our family. We will figure out how we can most effectively preach the gospel. Because it's the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that matters. At the end of those three years, the mandate... The mandate is that we should be one canonical community, one canonical parish. Keeping in mind in the Code of Canon Law that a parish is a community of people. We've realized we no longer have the luxury of being separate communities. If we live in the same place and work in the same place, then we have to pray together. We have to work together. If we go to the same schools, why can't we work together as the same parishes? It's time for us to make sure we do what is necessary for the gospel. So at the end of those three years, we will be one canonical parish, again, without any assumptions about how to use buildings, how to use resources, how to apportion programs and volunteers. That's up to us, to use our creativity, to use our zeal, to use our dedication in this new system, using pooled resources so that we can finally bring the full strength of our community to bear on the greatest problem of our time and the greatest problem of the last two millennia. What do we do and where do we go from here? Again, there are so many things that I don't know. 
And the Archdiocese is doing its best to be communicative, understanding that some things need to be consulted on in small groups before they're consulted on in large groups. Sunday afternoon, we will be sending you all of the information from the Archdiocese that we have on hand at this point. There is a 10-minute video explaining the process in greater detail that I encourage you to watch. There are prayers to be said. There is a timeline that you can review in case you can't remember what I'm telling you today. Keep watching that page. As information comes available, it will be given to you. But I cannot tell you what your families are going to look like, what our families are going to look like, until October, because that's when it gets given to the people of God. I might know ahead of time. Please don't push me. I'm not going to share it. I want to be a team player on this because it's so important. There is a lot of anxiety in the unknown. But we have to remember, we are the Church of Jesus Christ. We are the ones chosen out of the world to be a light to the nations, to bring the gospel to a people in need. The Lord is on our side. This is not a retreat. This is not giving up. This is not an admission of failure. This is us knowing deeply our mission, knowing what the Lord calls us to do, and saying we will sacrifice anything that is asked of us in order to do it. Nothing is more important than the gospel. We have to bring people back to Jesus Christ. And we have to give ourselves the best shot at doing so. We have to give ourselves the resources and the creativity and the space to do that. It's scary. I love our community. I love our people. I love my life here. My life belongs to Jesus. And your life belongs to Jesus. And our parish belongs to Jesus. And our archdiocese belongs to Jesus. It's all His. And we do whatever He asks of us. I know I'm emotional, but I believe in this. I believe this is necessary. I gave my life to this. I'm so blessed that we're taking it seriously. I'm so blessed that we're finally ready to say that the status quo is not working and we need to act differently. So what do we do in the unknown? What do we do for the next year when we don't have more information and we're clamoring for? Well, we read this second reading over and over and over again. Because St. Paul dealt with this in his own community. This is the first generation of Christians. They're talking to a man who knew men who saw Jesus after he rose from the dead. There's no doubt that salvation comes from Jesus. And yet, Paul sees a community that is divided. Because some say, I belong to Paul. And some say, I belong to Apollos. And some say, I belong to Cephas. We all belong to Jesus. There is no division. Whatever part of our heart is divided, whatever part of us and our community has issues with local parishes or other Catholics in the area, 
We've got to give those up for Jesus. There is no division. There is only one church, and there is only one mission. Whatever division we think exists between our parishes, between our people, between our priests, it's gone now. It's at an end. It doesn't matter whether we're family with them or not. It's gone. Status quo is gone. There is no division in Jesus Christ. There is no division in the church. Concretely, our job over the next few months is to make sure that we heal any division and we forgive any grievances, and then we begin to concretely remember and concretely work with our neighboring parishes. Read their bulletins. Check their events. If there's something they're doing you're interested in, go. Make friends. Build community. If we get through this process and we're not family with Sacred Heart, or we're not family with Ferndale, or we're not family with Linden, it will not be wasted time having built those connections and forgiving those grievances. It will not be wasted time having made sure that we are the same church on the same mission. This is the most important thing that we will ever confront, is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we do so by standing in the breach. We're at a turning point in the West. We're at a turning point in our country. We can keep losing Christians every year. 1.1 million. Same number that COVID's killed. 1.1 million every year. We can keep losing those Christians, or we can do something about it.